Have you ever felt it? That excitement, that hum that reaches into the very base of your stomach and makes your whole body feel alive? Well, your life can feel like that. Each week, I'll be sharing ways your personal wellness journey can lead you to a life that literally makes you hum. We'll be diving into all things nutrition, mindset, connection, spirituality and relationships to encourage you to be courageous and brave with your life and most importantly, unashamedly you. Together, let's find your hum. Hello and welcome to the first official episode of Find Your Hum. I'm Kirsty, your host and founder of The Nourishing Ray, and thank you so much for allowing me into your ears this week. I am super excited to be able to bring you this podcast and, of course, this very special conversation that I have with you today to kick us off with the lovely Lucinda Muldoon. Now, Lucinda and I met about five years ago, and we bonded over a love of yummy, wholesome food. Since that time, this woman has inspired me with the way she embraces her vulnerability and shows up to the world. In this chat today, we explore Lucinda's journey to becoming a yoga teacher, how the practice of yoga is more than just performing a set of poses, and the gift of finding fluidity on and off the mat. I know after listening to our chat, you will definitely approach your mat in a whole new way. I know I certainly have. And I definitely know you will want to connect with Lucinda. So the best way to do that is either on Instagram, you just search for her handle, Lucinda Rose underscore yoga, which is L-U-C-I-N-D-A-R-O-S-E underscore yoga, or over on Facebook, just search Lucinda Rose Yoga. She regularly holds yoga classes online, so please give to yourself the time to spend with her on your mat. I guarantee you will not be disappointed. And if you love the conversation that we have today, please take a screenshot of your phone and post it to your socials, tagging Lucinda and myself to let us know that you enjoyed it. And also, because this is a new podcast, I would greatly appreciate it if you let your mates know so we can spread the word. Okay, now let's get into it. In her true style, Lucinda opens up and delivers some beautiful insights and wisdom that honestly many of us spent our whole lives searching for. I hope you take as much inspiration from our chat as I have. So let's find your hum. I would love my listeners to get to know you a little better. So tell us, what were you like in high school? Oh, um, <laughs> high school was definitely, it was tricky for me. Um, yep. So I grew, I grew up in a small country town where, you know, how it is, it's like everyone knows you and everyone knows your family. Um, mm-hmm. And so both my parents were teachers. Uh, Dad was at the high school um, and mum was at the primary school. So, yeah, it definitely was never made, escaping like, them. <laughs> No, not at all. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, it definitely made it interesting um, to always have, like, family members there. And I was the youngest of four girls, so they were always around as well, which I didn't mind because I looked up to them. Um, But, yeah, in terms of high school, I was definitely the sporty kid. So I guess any sport, I tried it. and then I represented like at high level 
in state with swimming and volleyball and netball um, pretty much all the way through high school, I think right up to year 12. So it was pretty good in the sense like I got to do the sports I loved um, and that sort of helped me through, through high school. What social group were you in in high school then? Were you with other sporty kids? Um, not really. I think I'm very grateful for the group, um, if you can call that, that I was in because it was quite a big group and we sort of, you know, took anyone in that wanted to come in and um, we played like hacky sack at lunchtime and played music and like, yeah, we were we were pretty supportive of each other, but we weren't we weren't really defined by one thing. Um, so I felt really grateful for that. Yeah, nice. And do you still keep in contact with a lot of those people? <laughs> um, not really. Obviously, with social media, it's, media, it's good to keep in touch. Yeah. Um, but I think definitely, like with a small country town, there's always going to be that that thread that you'll be connected. Um, so whenever I see someone, whether I go back to Glen Innes and catch up with them, it it really isn't like time has passed, but at the same time we've each had our own lives and our own journey. So, yeah, I think yeah, I would nice. definitely, definitely keep in contact, but um, it's very free in that sense. Perfect. Now, mm. you are a yoga teacher and a yoga teacher trainer. So mm-hmm. how and when did your love of yoga begin? <laughs> um, okay. So I still remember, um, and I brought it up recently when I was doing the teacher training, I still remember doing my first ever yoga class and it was a restorative yoga. Um, so with all the props and it's pretty much like yummy, sleepy yoga. And I did that with my mum one night in the school library um, with a group of teachers. And I would have only been about, I reckon, eight or nine. Yeah, wow. Um, That's quite young. And so, yeah, so even then I was kind of like, what is this? But then I didn't think too much about it because there wasn't really yoga in the town. Um, But I actually got into the path of yoga I would say um actually through Bikram so that is the sweaty vinyasa the rooms are heated you're pretty much dripping after the first two minutes and I really just wanted to sweat and move so that was when I was in university and I started doing yoga by like a 30-day challenge because I'm really kind of that all-or-nothing kid where I'll just give it my all (laughs) Um, and so, yeah, I think by the end of that 30 days, um, I, I'd fallen a little bit in love with yoga in the sense of the poses, but definitely not the practice. Like it was just on a different stream as to what I wanted out of it. Um, so yeah, I think when I was in a high stress job at that stage, I just graduated, um, from university and into like my first real job um, that I found like a little studio that I just, it felt like a breath of fresh air and it was vinyasa yoga and gentle and 
yin and it was almost like my soul had done it before and in another lifetime maybe and my body was just saying thank you like I got to slow down and I got to just discover something on this map by myself but I was in this community so it was kind of this sense of not being alone um, when I didn't want to be alone but still learning stuff on my own yeah yeah wow you have like Mm. literally just described how yoga makes me feel yes (laughs) yeah it's a connection to other people yet this really deep inner connection and I think until you really experience that like you said it is just kind of like a series of poses rather than that something different that comes from inside yeah definitely and like I still feel quite new to the practice like I've only I've only been consistently practicing for four to five years and I did my first teacher training in 2017 um and it honestly changed my life like yeah as you said it feels so much more than just poses and getting flexible like it there's just so many more layers to that and I think becoming a yoga teacher was definitely in my path and it felt natural and I've never looked back um and so yeah when I start teaching yoga I can't describe the feeling it's like as soon as I get on the mat there's no worries about who I am or my body image or um you know the way that I've had my day it's like I get to really be present for the group of students and I get to be in full service so it's like it's it's so much not about me and yet I'm learning so much about myself so that's why yeah I just I love it you can totally hear that come through in your voice too when you talk about (laughs) it (laughs) you can see how it lights you up (laughs) yeah for sure so you mentioned there that you were at uni so you obviously studied and then you've moved into yoga what were you doing before and then what obviously you've said that you love doing yoga but what actually prompted you to go from what was your career to being a yoga teacher trainer that's such a good question um so when I graduated university I was an exercise physiologist which kind of the best way to describe it is not quite a physiotherapist, but you're working with exercise to be that form of rehab, so rehabilitation for um, patients coming out of hospital or if they've been injured um, or if they've got health conditions. It's really looking at holistic ways of moving um, to assist them in in getting better. So it's almost like you were kind of on your path to yoga even then. Definitely. Yeah. Like I remember in high school, all I wanted to be was um, the physiotherapist for the Sydney Roosters team. (laughs) And that's like a football, (laughs) that's like a football team, um, rugby league. And that was my dream. (laughs) I can totally understand that. The Roosters are also my team. I would also like to put my hands (laughs) on them. (laughs) (laughs) But that's it. Like I think, I think therapy, like physical therapy was always in my realm. And I didn't quite know how to uncover it. So even when I started my job and I was fortunate enough to really like go into a salary paid job, um, but it was just, it got to me so bad in terms of 
I'm such an empath in some areas. And so having patients, you know, if they don't get better or um, taking on a huge workload and it's people's health and people's lives that you're dealing with. And I think I took so much of that on um, that I really, yeah, I began to lose myself completely. Um, And that was, yeah, that was scary. And I think finding yoga just as a practice for me was natural and it felt like such a, yeah, as I said, such a breath of fresh air that when I asked one of my teachers and I said, you know, I'm thinking about doing a yoga teacher training, at that stage it wasn't to become a yoga teacher. Like I was still I was still set on being in ex-fears. And so when I asked her, yeah, the pure intention was just to support myself a little more and I knew that there was more to learn about myself. Um, I knew that I had more to give. So it just sort of evolved that way where I started my teacher training and I was grateful because it was over a six-month period. So it was sort of every second weekend, um, which meant that I got to work. And that in itself allowed me to uncover that, yeah, the job that I was doing then and there really wasn't, wasn't right and it wasn't serving me. And I think that was because I got to implement what I learned in the sessions over the course of that weekend into my life during the week. Um, so, yeah, I, I naturally, like, got to a stage where I needed to leave um, for health reasons. I needed to leave my job. And um, at the end of the six months, I felt like a completely different person and I had a new lease on life and I began teaching the next week and it just became so easy for me in a way that I never ever expected. Wow, that is super powerful that you've had, I suppose, that realisation and at such, I want to say, a young age, like it takes a lot of (laughs) people oftentimes that they're sort of, you know, well into their late 30s or 40s before they can understand that about themselves. So that must have Mm. been huge at the time. Yeah, definitely. Like I was, how old was I? About 25 at the time. So it was right at that stage where, you know, you're graduating and you think that your path is laid out. Like you think that you have to take these steps up the ladder and you have to just, you know, work your ass off um and at that stage it was for someone else that I was working for and it just didn't it didn't serve me at that time and it it didn't actually feel like such a risk um to leave and and I take my hat off to every you know physical therapist or people that work in the health industry um because it's such a big gig and I'll never forget the the tip that I got from my grandfather, he, he said, he kept checking on me over the course of the years and he would remind me, he said, you know, if you ever wake up and one day you don't want to go to work, then that's when you need to change. And I used to just think, oh my God, that's so silly. Like everyone has days where you don't want to work. Like, of course, that's just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, that, that was in the back of my mind and I just completely forgot about it until this one day I woke up and it was almost like there, there could have been anything else. 
I would rather do apart from go to work. And that's when I knew that things needed to change. Um, for my health, you know, for the benefit of the um, of the team that I was working with. So, yeah, I think I'm so grateful for yoga and I'll never forget that that tip from my grandfather because it's just led me in the direction and where I've come to now. That is like the biggest aha from your grandfather. Like so... Mm like so many of us need to hear that and hear that more than once because like how many times are we told that life is a struggle and of course like you said of course you're going to hate your job that's just the way it's meant to be when Mm. in fact it's actually not the way life's meant to be yeah definitely and I think we get into that state of comfort um and sometimes it can be the state of comfort in pain where where yeah, you don't actually realise that comfort can look a different a different way. Yeah, it's like safety in what is normal for you. And if that normal is pain, then that is actually, mm-hmm. like you said, where you find your comfort. Yeah, for sure. And you learn lessons along the way. Yep. Like I, I don't, um, yeah, I learned so much in those years working um, as an ex-fears that, you know, you may not, I may not realize, but I do now, um, that it relates so well to what I'm doing now in yoga. <laughs> it's like I said before, I really think it's almost like you said, it was your path to like mm. follow this down this way. Oh, this yeah. gives me chills. <laughs> now, I know that you get to teach in the absolutely gorgeous divine Bali. Or not Bali yeah. as such, is it Umbud? Yeah, Ubud. Ubud. Yeah. <laughs> Can never pronounce that properly. Um, <laughs> how did you find yourself there? Yeah, so again, 2017, I'm going to refer back to this because it was an epic year for me. Um, but it was sort of that clincher. I guess it was like that quarter century um, <laughs> craziness. But yep. Yeah, it was actually with my elder sister. So Emily was having her birthday um, and she'd been the year before or a couple of years before um, and I was about halfway through my teacher training and no joke, it was probably the darkest stage of my life. Um, I'd reached complete burnout and, yeah, I didn't see sort of any other way out um, and so she'd organised this trip to Bali for her birthday And it was just for the two of us. So I didn't really have much awareness of Bali um, apart from, you know, the Australian representation, which is like (laughs) schoolies and partying and um, all sorts. And, you know, so it was sort of like the last last place that I thought that we would go um, because we'd always spoken about travelling. And then when we'd arrived, we went straight to Ubud and I honestly can't describe in words like the magic of the place. It was almost instant that I felt it. So the people, the culture, like their sense of humour, um, the, their sense of humour is so similar to Australians. It just, yeah, it made us get along like a house on fire. Maybe that's why we um, all end up over there at some stage. <laughs> yeah, probably. That makes a lot of sense. Um, but, yeah, I think... It allowed me to laugh again and just relax. Um, 
and we got to experience a lot during that trip. Like, yes, so many times that we were laughing. Um, and I really just had that need to stay in Ubud a little bit longer. So we actually continued our trip a little longer in Ubud before we went down to Chenggu. Um, and I just had this feeling inside of me that I needed to come back. So it was, it was almost like I felt at home in this place that I didn't know. And so that was a really strange sensation. Um, and so that was, yeah, that was in 2017. And I came back the following year for a, an extra training. Um, and then that's when I found the studio um, at Radiantly Alive that, again, there was Bali itself and Ubud has formed like so many synchronicities that pretty much are unbelievable um, that allowed me to come here. So I found that studio, fell in love, and then before I knew it, I was granted um, the opportunity to come and do a 300-hour training, um, and that was last year. So after that training, I planned to stay for a couple of months until um, the boss asked me what I was doing and I said you know I'm staying this long and he said what if you stayed longer and I said no I can't and he goes but what if you had a job and you could we go oh okay (laughs) so I had I was so naive I had no idea that it was coming um and so yeah I I'm now pretty much living my dream life at a family studio like it's so epic who I get to work with not only like the local staff but other teachers from around the world and now I get to co-teach on teacher trainings which is just beyond my wildest dreams um but yeah I'll never forget that that first trip with Emily because it really it really allowed me to fully be present um and I had that realization that I wanted to stay on this earth. So literally I, I got to live another day and yeah, my world changed because of it. So that's a uh, massive thank you to Emily then for taking you to Bali at that time, because of course, oh, yeah. <laughs> not only for your love of um, Bali itself and I suppose immersing yourself in that gorgeousness that's over there and everything gets taught you but mm. also so we can actually still have you with us which is quite amazing <laughs> yeah definitely so you have actually been really open in sharing some of your quite vulnerable moments and you definitely touched on a few um, during the course of this um, chat already Um, particularly around things like body love, your anxiety, just sort of more dealing with some of those harder pressures of life in general. Why is it these particular topics that you choose to share about? Because obviously life itself is quite vulnerable and we could share on a few different topics, but I always find it very interesting of why someone decides to suppose share on the particular topics they do and then sort of share how your journey with what you share has sort of evolved and developed yeah I mean definitely there were times where I didn't share um I think it's only been recent in the last yeah couple of years that I've been 
openly um, sharing my times with um, eating disorders and I had, you know, anxiety and depression. Um, and I think, if, you know, at 28 years old, I, I had those moments years ago thinking why, um, <laughs> why did this um, unfold the way it did? And I think there's such power in sharing. Um, and it's not only just when you get to a good place that you can share, but really, yeah, there's such beauty in, in vulnerability, I guess, um, because I think that's all I craved when I was a teenager and when I was a young girl was, you know, when I was struggling and I didn't, I didn't know whether this was normal or I didn't know how to feel. Um, yeah, I think understanding that someone else could have gone through a similar light um, or shed some words that helped them through, I think that would have just been epic. And, you know, I think that's why I share now because it, it gives it gives me the sense of being transparent, um, you know, not, not so transparent that I'm just telling everyone on the streets, but it's like, yeah, I've, I've been through this life and this is mine to own and, and also celebrate, like even in the shittiest moments, I can still now be okay with it. Um, so yeah, for sure. Like I had body image issues, um, at a really vulnerable age, like I think I would have been about 12. Um, and it's not to say that one moment is a catalyst, but I definitely remember at a swimming event um, at that age, a boy, a boy asked me why my thighs were touching um, and why the other girls weren't. And that was probably the first time that I can pinpoint shifting my perspective to look at my body and and that's where judgment and comparison began because, you know, I believed this boy's judgment to be true and I thought that things needed to change and that there was only meant to be one way of looking. Um, so, yeah, I think with that came anxieties about comparing myself and that went side by side with worrying about what others thought. Um, so, yeah, I developed bulimia through high school from probably late 14. Yeah, it was just before like 15 years old. Um, and the shame was like a big part because it was in such a small town community that, you know, I was, I was known by everyone and things were changing with my body, but I was, um, yes, in such denial as to, to what was going on and it confused me. Um, because I was performing the best in my sports and yet I've never been so frail and so weak in my life that it didn't quite make sense in my head um, why I was performing so well but I was, you know, so unsupportive in my head, like in my body. Um, so like physically and outwardly you were quite strong but then mentally and emotionally yeah. inside it was a totally different story. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And then I moved to university um, on the Sunshine Coast. And so I think with like a shift of environment, 
I think it definitely shifted my mental state for a little bit um, because when you get into that first and second year uni, you relax a little more. Um, you meet friends that you go out partying with and the uni so bar helps heaps. <laughs> yeah, and I think it was the first time in my life that I allowed myself to be a little less rigid, I guess, around food. Um, and that, with that, probably then came like I decided not to physically harm myself um, by throwing up and it wasn't like a it wasn't like a cold turkey moment it was like a realization moment of the physical damage that I was doing Um, and so you know over the years it sort of shows up in different ways and so then being the competitor that I am um, I decided, like, after gaining a lot of weight, I decided to go into a boot camp um, where, like, my, my food controlling mindset um, just really thrived because I wanted to lose the most amount of weight within the group. Um, and, of course, I did. Like, back then it was, it was a competition. Like, I got first place um, because I had the biggest transformation. Um, and I didn't realise that mentally it was just doing so much damage because, you know, I thought that I was doing it the correct way. Did you feel um, success from that? I felt success in the sense that I'd achieved something. Um, I felt there were times where I felt strong mm-hmm. and then I pushed it too far. So I did boot camps back to back for two years and it was to the point where I was grinding my way physically through afternoon sessions, through morning sessions, um, minimising my food intake. Like it was just, you know, and it was all, quote, healthy, unquote, like foods, but mm-hmm. um, that it was just masked in a different way. Like I was still having disordered eating, but it was just in a different light. So, yeah, I thought that I'd achieved something, but then I got to a stage where, I wasn't, yeah, I wasn't more of myself. I was less. Um, And it truly wasn't until I came to Bali for about five months. So the year after I came with Emily, I I came over here just unknowing of how long I would be here. I aimed for about three months and it turned into five. Um, And it was... Yeah, it was only then that I had the first day that I could ever remember um, not thinking about food. And it was such a revelation um, to realise that, that, you know, I was like, oh, shit. Like yesterday I didn't actually think about what I was eating or what was coming next or my next step. Um, and in that it gave me such such a sense of freedom. Um, and so, yeah. I began to listen a little bit more to my body and, um, yeah, I was on that healing journey. I hadn't had a period in close to four years, um, so that's when I knew that things needed to change because I was getting to an age where, you know, not not ovulating um, could have risks and have problems down the line and, and I've, I've always seen family in my future. so. Yeah, that's when reality really hit me, hit me hard because 
what I was doing to myself and doing to my body to strive for something external. Um, my internal soul and body was just crying out for help. Um, so, yeah, I think that started developing in when I was here in Bali and it just gave me a huge, huge perspective on like A, where I had been and B, what I do want for myself because I know that it won't ever be perfect and and clear because it's still developing and you know perfect is a false goal for me it's it's not right for my mind because it won't allow for the fluctuations um but yeah i'm getting more tools in my box and i'm learning the love for my body because um it can do a lot more than i ever thought it could yeah well as you were talking then um i noticed that um in those moments when you have sort of just allowed yourself like mind and body, I think to be sort of more unabandoned, you can tell that is when you find like your freedom and your happiness. And you've sort of mentioned that in a few different spots throughout the podcast. And yeah, what I sort of is coming up for me, a bit now is that how are you allowing yourself for someone that liked being so rigid, always competitive, you would say almost like a type A type personality where it was sort of go, 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 especially during high school with all the sports, quite competitive. And then like you said, with your um, boot camps, how have you allowed yourself to sort of strip that back and be okay with the fluidity because I think that is a huge confrontation that some people have to deal within themselves to be okay with. Yeah. I being told to slow down. Um, I think maybe five years ago would not have worked. And so to really feel it, I think you've just got to give it a go. And I know that sounds so simple, but, um, I didn't realize the benefits of slowing down and, and being a little more fluid in what I did, you know, physically and mentally and even emotionally, like it allowed me to just open up to trust. And I think that wasn't there for a long period of my life. So yeah, having that inner trust begin to just strengthen a little more. Um, I began to fall in love with this fluidity side of things. And, you know, there's always times where sometimes I, I get way too relaxed and <laughs> I need to get, get out of the house and go for a walk. Um, and so it's also recognising those moments too of, you know, discipline is also there for a reason. And sometimes you may think that laying in bed is better for your mental health, but in fact, just going out into nature or getting, yeah, getting outdoors um, could serve you a lot better. So, yeah, I'm definitely still figuring my way through, um, but I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't change it because I know that I can go back to that state of determination and achieving mindset. Um, but I just, now I tend to shift it to be what's 
of service and what's um, what's really important. So I shift my dedication to, you know, what I love to do in terms of work or what I love to do in terms of myself, whether it's dancing or singing or artwork or, yeah. Um, so that's the way that I'd be more fluid rather than just narrow-minded type A. <laughs> Yeah, so it's like using your dedication for things that actually light you up. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, nice. So when we do all this work on ourselves, which you have done for quite a few years now, there can be some mm. really – it can can get hard and, like, some of the moments hurt. Like, I know myself, you can get quite cracked open at times when you're experiencing this kind of stuff. And there are times when we just need to tap out of the constant – work on ourselves what do you do when you need to just give yourself a break yeah um first breathe definitely Mm -hmm. and you would think that it's yoga for me um but actually it's not it's not one specific thing that I turn to I think because over the years I've built different ways um to really express myself or come home to my heart. Um, It's allowed me to just to not ever get um, resentful or not have just one thing that I have to rely on because for me, I also get bored. I get bored of things like if if I'm loving one thing, I'll love it for a long time and then I'll shift to something else. So, um you know, yoga has been that consistency for me and I know that it's there whenever I need and some days it really serves me when I I need to get on my mat and move. But other days it might be singing or other days it might be, you know, just drawing for a few hours or dancing or reaching out to someone. Um, I think never forgetting the power to reach out to someone Um because it may seem simple and easy, but as you've touched on as well, like being vulnerable also can mean reaching out and it can be the most difficult step to take, but to have, you know, a couple of people in your life that when shit hits the fan and you need to speak to someone, um, that they're, yeah, that they could be there for you. Um, so, yeah, I think definitely creating that, that toolbox of what brings you back home. Your toolbox it, it does just, yeah. have a lot of creative expression in it. Is that, mm. yeah, like yeah. I feel like that's definitely something that you seem to be drawn to, for want, <laughs> no pun oh, intended. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice one. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think definitely, yeah, I'm, I've always been a creative soul in like I wouldn't say talented by any means but I could definitely get lost in you know drawing drawing a picture um rather than reading a book or listening to music and dancing rather than you know sitting and um yeah I don't know doing something you'd rather do that mundane like yeah 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 like there's there's times where I'll watch a movie, um, but what I prefer is just to like get into something new. Whether it's if I'm listening, 
I'm listening to like a podcast that I can learn from or I can be inspired from. So, um, yeah, I think my way of switching off is expression, Yeah, nice. which is really, it's, it sounds strange because it's like the way that I go inwards is actually to express outwards. Yeah. I think some of those yeah. things too that you've described are things that we did when we were kids too and that we just somewhere along the line stopped doing like it became uncool as oh, a teenager yeah. to do those things. So therefore like you don't, but it's like, yeah, it's tapping back to that little person inside us, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And like, you know, getting back to be, <laughs> to be able to do handstands again, I bloody love it. Like <laughs> it's so much fun and I'll spend, you know, half an hour listening to music and doing handstands or rolling around the floor or, moving in ways that feel so good for my body um, that, you know, when we were five or six, that wouldn't have even been questioned. Whereas no. now it's like, oh, I don't have the time for it. Um, but, you, yeah, you just make it and, and you do however long it serves you. Like it may be a 10-minute yoga practice and that might be just enough to really get you back here. Yep. Yeah, I have, a, I have a confession to make. I have never been able to do a handstand in my life, even <laughs> as a kid. I couldn't do them. Oh, really? <laughs> no. Those or cartwheels. Oh, I no, I just never. All my friends would do them. I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to, you guys can just do those. <laughs> Maybe I'll have yeah. to put that on my to-do list. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's so funny. In the world of yoga, sometimes people look at handstands as like the almighty but really it's for me I'm like oh it's just taking me back to my childhood days so I'm really curious to just grow with that yeah I think I'd yeah. much rather do a cartwheel I feel like that's I think that's yeah, start my there. aim yeah <laughs> <laughs> baby steps yeah exactly <laughs> um you have spoken a lot about evolving and changing throughout the course of our chat do yeah. you feel there are parts of past Lucinda that you've lost? Ooh, that's a big question. Um, there are definitely parts that I've lost. It's really strange. I think even in 28 years, I feel like I've lived, you know, four lives. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's really um, eerie and sometimes strange to look look back at photos and videos but um i think i used to be intensely like i mean intensely afraid of what others thought of me and so i became a people pleaser because of that yep um and that sort of was at the expense of what i really wanted to do in life so i think i've definitely lost parts of that there's still times where it will come up um but i think that's that's natural. Um, but yeah, that sort of intense fear of, you know, being in the wrong or, um, not doing things the way that someone else is, is wanting you to do it. Um, yeah, it's allowed me to step a little bit more into my power and more into my inner knowing, I guess. Um, and I'm slowly getting better at taking photos and, getting out in front of the camera and sharing who I am um, because that also used to be my biggest fear. 
I think there was a good chunk where I actually can't find photos of myself because I would hide or I needed it to look perfect. Um, and that was pretty much, that was pretty much a representation of my life at that stage. So now I celebrate where I am. Um, because honestly, like each day after that moment, um, in 2017 is like a gift for me. So I look at each day as there's something so beautiful to see from this. And so, yeah, if I need to laugh loudly, I'll laugh loudly now. Or if I cry at the drop of a hat, um, which I do more now than ever, (laughs) then I know that it's okay because I'm showing up in this world, um, like even in the thickest of struggles or, in the most epic celebrations, um, I could still be crying. And I think that's, I think that's what we need to share. Like I reached a point in my life where I can now be, be okay with what's in the past and be excited for what's coming in the future and, and really just acknowledge the gifts that are around me. Oh, that's so beautiful. Mm. (laughs) It's so nice that I, you know, having listened to you speak um, for the past almost hour and then <laughs> at this, the spot that you are now compared to where you were sort of three years ago is just like mind-blowing. Not, not yeah. an easy journey for you by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but, yeah, so much, so much wisdom in there, so much wisdom. Yeah. And is there any parts of you that you have left behind that you think you want to bring back or it's pretty good the way it is um I think it's pretty good the way it is like there's moments where I was for example like doing the boot camps or really really driven um and sometimes I need that fire like, yes, I'm using it for different purposes. Um, but, yeah, sometimes I would like to bring that fire back because <laughs> I had so much of it back then. <laughs> and then I've become so fluid that maybe I've just watered it down. <laughs> and, it's, and it's not ignited again. So, um, yeah, definitely. I think there's little chunks of that inner fire that I'd love to bring back. Um, but yeah, definitely in the right, like in the in the right ways that serve me best. Yeah, nice. Okay, so I'm going to cycle back to your yoga brain for a minute, and let's pick mm-hmm. that. <laughs> um, yeah. For those who don't practice yoga, or maybe they're a little bit inconsistent with their practice, can you share why you think yoga is important for our health? Oh my god. That could go on forever, that question (laughs) in itself, honestly. (laughs) Um, I've said it before, but yoga is like a breath of fresh air. So whether it be like in a classroom setting, like not a school classroom, um, but a yoga class setting or self-practice, I think it just has this superpower of like uncovering lessons that need to be learned. And maybe parts that like, well, in my case, that I subconsciously hide 
And so it's a practice for me that's never the same every time that I get on the mat, whether I'm doing, you know, a similar sequenced flow, there's still something else to learn from that. There's still something else that I can grow from. Um, So one day it may be that I'm physically working through blockages or tightnesses in my body or building strength in areas that aren't usually worked. Um, And then there are like other days where it could be that I just need to slow right down and just calm my mind with mantras or breath work to like shift that energy funk. Um, And then, yeah, there'll be times where I just get on my mat and I cry because I know that having that action of getting on my mat and having that devotion to myself and to the practice, no matter what it looks like, I know that things will pass and I seem to come out of that just, yeah, a little more freely. Um, So, yeah, in terms of emotional developments, it's, it's huge because you are processing things alone and there may be poses that you are just like, oh, my God, I hate this pose. And then there are other poses that you would just absolutely adore and what if the teacher doesn't put any of the poses that you adore into the practice? It's like, yeah, you have to really work through that. And in the big scheme of things, what you do on your mat and how you practice and how you breathe is pretty much a direct reflection on how you are off the mat. So for me, there's just, it's, it's almost beyond separating it into physical mental and emotional because it's just all in one and it's life it really is it's like life on the mat life off the mat there's this common thread between it really does encompass everything doesn't it yoga like it's not like you said it's not a standalone physical practice there is just so much more um that you can do with yoga would you say consistent practice is better or is it just like from your professional point of view yeah I would definitely say consistent practice is better because it almost allows you to get on that that road and you get to see more things on that trip yeah um as opposed to taking pit stops and you know then you discover it again you may like it, but there could be so much more that you could have seen in a shorter amount of time. I think too what you shared at different stages where it could be a 10-minute flow that you decide to do. It, you could be on the mat for an hour and a half or like you said, you could literally just go and sit on your mat because that's all you need that day. It's really just about making yourself show up for yourself at that time isn't it oh yeah definitely like there's been days where I've rolled out my mat in the midst of like you know early days of waking up and then I'll just be doing a mantra over and over with my mala beads and I might do you know one or two poses and that's what I needed in that day and it wasn't what I look, what I thought it would look like. It wasn't where I thought I was going. Um, but also there are other days where I get on my mat and I simply just need to start moving 
and I need to start breathing. And the breath is the most important part. If you can slow it down and just create your own music between your breath and your heartbeat, like that in itself, you will then start to practice possibly a lot longer than you anticipated. And that's happened numerous times for me. I thought, oh, I'm just going to do a couple of poses here and there. And then I really get into the sync of that breath. And it's so potent that I just, yeah, I go from there. I don't know how anyone would not want to practice yoga after the way you just described the rhythm between <laughs> the breath and the heartbeat. It's like this most amazing, I could just see this like dance Aww. happening between them. And I'm like, how could you not want to practice yoga after that? <laughs> it's so true though. There's such like, that's within us. It doesn't even need to be changed. That's already happening on its own. And if you pay such close awareness to it or if you feel it, then, yeah, then you know that the magic is there. I will definitely be looking for my little dance next time. I do <laughs> often concentrate on my breath, but I'm definitely going to um, start paying attention to the little dance that does with my heart. I love that. Yeah. Perfect. Thank you so much for being so open and sharing with us today. I'm just going to pop into the final questions that I like to ask all of my guests. So how do you sustain, strengthen and nurture your life? Mm. Um, okay. I, I would say that I sustain my life um, through mantra and meditation and that can look many different ways um that could be as simple as like voicing out the mantra or sitting in meditation but it could also mean drawing or moving um and then finding a chance to laugh every day honestly i think that sustains my life that, that keeps me um that keeps me bright and it keeps me grounded yet so light um because it reminds me that, you know, things aren't, things aren't meant to be taken so, so, so seriously every second of every day. Um, and I think being in Bali and being in Ubud, surrounded by Balinese, I'm continually laughing every day. Um, so, yeah, I, I definitely have the gift in that situation. And for those of you who aren't in Bali, I know Lucinda highly yeah. recommends <laughs> Holly and Phil reruns. <laughs> That's a good way to have a giggle as well. <laughs> yes, of course. When I go down that YouTube rabbit hole, Holly and Phil are at the top of the list. <laughs> yeah. For anyone that can't I've get got... to Bali anytime soon. <laughs> yeah. I've only just discovered it like in the last month or so. It's crazy. <laughs> so funny. Um, I think strengthening my life definitely would be through friendships and family. Like in times right now where I'm physically away from family I find it difficult but in the moments and times that we're in now with technology I feel super super grateful that I get to connect with them over the phone so I get to see my nieces and my nephew grow up um, I get to still have that strength and bond between my family um, and friends back in Oz and UK of course um 
but yeah, I think at the same time, like the friends here in Bali that I've really, really grown to, to love fully, um, I consider them family and it takes a level of effort to grow and strengthen with each other. So, um, yeah, I would say friendships and family is how I strengthen my life. Um, and then nurturing, nurturing my life would totally be through creativity, creativity and compassion, I would say, and compassion in the sense of, um, writing out each day for how it turns out. And, you know, you may have days where you achieve so, so much and it just blows you away. Um, and I've had that happen so often. And then there may be days where, you know, there's actually such power in doing nothing. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not the sense of doing nothing but still reading a book. It's like actually doing nothing and taking the world in. Um, so, yeah, I think discovering discovering different ways to really nurture my body and my mind um, with creativity is just, yeah, reminding myself that there's magic there every, every new day. Wow. They were beautiful ways. I love, I love mm-hmm. your answers. And most importantly, what currently in your life is allowing you to find your hum? <sighs> Truly, if I have, if I've laughed, if I've moved and if I've found inspiration from someone or something each day, um, that's probably when I feel like I'm living in my sweet spot. Yeah. I feel grounded. I feel happy. Um, And even though I feel grounded and happy, there's still, when I, Oh, when I'm in that like hum stage, I'm still curious enough to stretch myself, like stretch myself um, to take on the world and grab new opportunities when they rise up. Beautiful. That's exactly how I want everyone to feel after listening Mm -hmm. to this podcast. So thank you so very much, Lucinda, for sharing everything that you have today. Thank you so much for allowing me to. This is. Yeah, very daunting and very um, unraveling, but I'm super glad. Cheers for tuning in to another episode of Find Your Hum. Don't forget to subscribe. Oh, and tell your mates about it.